0: Podcast from Hope Church, Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Mark chapter seven, verse thirty-one through thirty-seven. And this morning we have a miracle, which um, well tells me what was. Uh, Speak or not to speak? That is the question. Speak or not to speak? That is the question. You see, the miracle is performed by Jesus on a man who is deaf and is unable to speak. Certainly unable to speak properly. And Jesus and his disciples have now entered what would be considered Gentile territory. Remember we have the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews would be in and around Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. That was Jewish territory. But now we're in Gentile territory. So that's everybody who isn't a Jew. Okay? So let's put him in Gainsborough. See what I did there? Bought it right home. So uh, him and his disciples are in Gentile territory, a place where the Jews weren't. But obviously the people had heard all about Jesus. And they'd heard and probably seen some of the miracles that Jesus had been doing. And a crowd, as usual, as Jesus is in a new place, a crowd is gathering. And in amongst the crowd, some friends bring a man to Jesus who is deaf and unable to speak. And the Bible tells us in verse 32 of chapter 7 that they begged Jesus. It says, Then some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. We saw the friends that lowered their friends through the roof, didn't we, just a few weeks ago? that they wanted to get their friend in front of Jesus. And here these people, rightly or wrongly, whether friends have brought this man to Jesus. And it's interesting because as you read through this, I guess there's a few reasons that they could bring him. If they were friends, they want to help him. But if they were just people who went, look, grab him and let's see if Jesus will do something for him. Let's see if we can see one of these miracles that they would be on and about. Maybe one of the group was like, I've seen him do incredible stuff. Honestly, trust me, come on, bring him. Maybe I'm trying to help you to paint the picture. But Jesus reacts somewhat differently here. as What Jesus does, instead of sort of offering the man as um, a crowd pleaser, as it were, takes him to one side. And he takes the man away from the crowd. And it seems to me when you look at that and when we see the end of the story that Jesus doesn't want people to see. That's interesting, isn't it? Jesus doesn't want people to see. And as we go on to, as we'll hear, Jesus tells them, don't say anything. And this man must have wondered what was going off. You know, um, he would have seen the hustle and the bustle but wouldn't know, because he had senses missing, he wouldn't know what was going off. And Jesus, in verse 34, performs the miracle on this man in such a way that the man, even though he was in the midst of what would probably be quite... the, the, the anxiety, the like... What is going off? You know, in the middle of that kind of scenario, and imagine his head place if you're able to put yourself in the picture. Jesus performs the miracle in such a way that those that are with the man and the man himself would know that this man who is performing the miracle, that this man is the Lord And he's come to restore, and this is important for us in this story, he's come to restore the image of God in humanity. Now, why is that important? Well, this is Gentile territory. And humanity, as we know, had lost its way. The Jews who knew God, remember, the Jews who were a chosen people, they knew God And now were worshipping their own version and own ideas about God. Even though they knew. Even though they had the law. Even though they had the prophets. And they had those writings. They were worshipping how they wanted to worship. And of course as we know the Gentiles... Well, they had their own set of gods. Lots of. Whatever region you went to, whatever area you went to, there were gods all about. And Paul even makes comment um, in one of his letters to one of the churches, to the, there's a, a god with a label on it that says, to the unknown god. Let's cover all bases. Let's make sure we've got everything covered, you know, just in case. So we can take from what is happening here and from history as it records for us through these historical books that the Gentiles were worshipping all sorts of gods. And Jesus talked directly into this with the healing of this man. You see, as he spat and as he touched the man's tongue, as he put his fingers into the man's ears, he's painting a picture I'd not seen this before. You see, because what Jesus is doing is he's going up, I know this. As unpretty as it is, as broken as it is, I know it. Completely. I know how it was formed, I know what went into it to get it to look like this, and I guess with a few extra holes I know how to make it better. The Bible tells us something about God. The Bible calls God the potter. And the Bible tells us that the potter has the clay on the wheel. And the Bible tells us that God has formed you and me. He's created us. Those bits that make us, He knows them completely. The Bible tells us he knit us together in our mother's womb. Isaiah 64 and verse 8 tells us about the potter. If you've got uh, your Bible with you, turn to it. It will be on the screen. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Don't you find that amazing? That when you read that story... When you see what Jesus did in that moment, what he's doing is putting back the image of God that humanity has so quickly lost. Listen, he says, these ears, I made them. This mouth, I formed that. And here, in this moment, Jesus shows something that is just magnificent to a man and a group of people that would see, who had lost their way, that this man is the Lord. Jesus, in verse 34, sighs deeply. Scholars, theologians question about what this is about. For me, this is where I stand with this. Is that what it seems to do? And here's an instance: is signifying perhaps the void that's appeared between God and humanity, or perhaps—and this is the bench that I sit on—it as perhaps that in the beginning God breathed the breath of life into his creation. Genesis chapter one and verse twenty-six. Just listen to this: Genesis one and verse twenty-six. Listen to the us as I read this part. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let me read the us for you again just in case you missed it. Then God said, let us make man. Who on earth is with God? God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in the beginning was the Word, John tells us. The Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Is that not what 1 John verse 1 tells us? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And now when we see this and we just flick over the page to chapter 2. And we see verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust. I've made this from the ground. And what did God do? And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. You know church this morning in this miracle. God is bringing back this image of God that humanity has forgotten. I made you. There is only one God. God the Father, as we see here, there is only one God. And in the beginning, when you were formed out of the dust, man, in the beginning, I gave you life. I breathed it into your nostrils. And what have you done with it? What have you done with it? And Jesus, in this moment, he sighs deeply, showing that he was with God in the beginning. And he is there and was there in creation. And he says in Aramaic, be opened. And the man was instantly, the Bible tells us, able to hear and to speak. No need for elocution lessons. No need for Physiotherapy in the sense to get the muscles working. But the brain and the muscles all working together instantly as the man is able to do what? What's the first thing that he can't help but do? Say who Jesus is. Isn't that what God created in the beginning? Man who love him, who can't help but tell about him. And then sin creeps in and destroyed everything, but God was still and he's still in control. And by his goodness, he's showing us a glimpse, oh, just a glimpse of his majesty in this miracle. Only seven verses, just seven verses, six even, (laughs) even less. Isn't it staggering? But we can read over it or we can take out of it perhaps other things. But this morning, we know that we have a God who is the potter. And church, we, you individually, are the clay. How much are we allowing God to shape us in 2019? How much have we drifted away from what God has called us to? How much are we willing to allow God to shape us? How much do we trust and have faith that God has got it all in control? They're all questions for you to answer in your own heart. But now the man, well, he can hear. And by God's goodness, he can speak. And Jesus says to him in verse 36, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone. What? It's almost like it's miswritten, isn't it? How's that possible? I'm with the guy here, I have to be honest. Because I don't think you'd be able to help yourself, would you? Well, obviously you lot would, because... But I I don't think I'd be able to help myself. I'm with the guy. What else could I do? But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. Well, of course they did. The man's had so much to say his entire life, and he's not been able to say it. Can you imagine if that was me? Oh... (laughs) I could even hear my wife wince next door. (laughs) And Jesus says to him, "Look, don't tell anyone." And you can be left scratching your head at that. You see, it's not the first time, is it, that Jesus has said after a miracle, "Look, don't don't say anything. Don't don't uh, just just keep it quiet." But I wonder that with this guy, that the passion and the enthusiasm and the excitement and the reality that's just come into his life, the majesty that's just happened, well, he can't keep a lid on it, can he? It's impossible for him to keep a lid on it. And those with ears, let them hear. The question is this morning is, are you listening? But of course, the man and his friends, well, they could not help themselves and they shouted from the rooftops what God had done and what Jesus was doing. So why did Jesus say, don't? Why did he say, don't say anything? Luke chapter 9 and verse 20 through 22 Does the Bible give us the answer? You bet it does. Luke chapter 9, verse 20 through 22 says this. But what about you, he asked. This is him talking to Peter. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God. What an answer. In the moment, Peter realizes who God is is who Jesus is. He is God, the very Son of God in flesh. He gets it. He's grasped it. Verse 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. What? Let's read on. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. What is the significance of that? What Jesus is saying to these people, don't say anything because you don't have the whole story. You do not have the complete picture. You do not see the mystery that is about to happen that the Son of God, the very Son of Man, will hang on a cross And there, he will be rejected and despised. And there on that cross, he will take my sin and your sin. All the things that we've done wrong. And there on that cross, it will be nailed to that cross and church, he will defeat it. They hadn't got that picture. And they hadn't got the latter part, which then comes as Jesus is taken down from the cross as he's given up his spirit. He is then placed in a tomb. And the grave could not hold him. Because three days later, Jesus is raised back to life. Amen. And three days later, we see then that sin has been defeated on the cross. And we see that death has been defeated. Why? Because God loves you. Why? Because he created you. Why? Because he has got so much love that he wants to show you and me This creation, this humanity, how much He loves us. And God, in His goodness and in His grace and in His mercy, gave us a Savior in Jesus Christ. So Jesus says to them, Don't tell anyone because you haven't got the whole picture. You haven't got the whole picture, which then puts some earnest on you and me. Because we do have the whole picture. And it's magnificent. And by God's goodness, lots of us in here have experienced that goodness as we have put our faith and our trust in Christ. Jesus wasn't just there to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal people. His work was still incomplete at this point. And the gospel church as we now know it The good news about Jesus Christ is, yes, he came to preach the kingdom of God. Yes, he healed many people. But what was significant for you and for me and for all of humanity, that he dealt with sin and he dealt with death on that cross. The very God who breathed life into my lungs, who created me, who knows me, my imperfections and my flaws, yet he still went to that cross. And my understanding of the Bible is this, that if it was just me, he would still have gone. And if it was just you, he would still have gone because God is love. And we have the opportunity this morning to do something about that. You see, this morning, as we look at this story and as we understand it, you could see Jesus still as this miracle man You could see him perhaps as a good guy who did a lot of good things. And you don't have to look in the Bible just for Jesus. History's books record this man, Jesus Christ. But as we look and we understand all that history has to tell us, that the word of God has to tell us, we start to see that this man was no just good man. He was no prophet. He was the very son of God. He was God man. He was God in flesh. And we want to see him. I, My prayer is this morning that you want to see him as your saviour. That this God who made you, who created you, who breathed life into your lungs, that you want to put your life back into his hands. That's the prayer this morning. Not that we just go about doing our day-to-day thinking, what's God got to do with me? He's got everything to do with you. He made you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. Where is the best place for us? In his hand. And we have that challenge this morning. Maybe we've missed it to this point. Maybe you've even avoided it to this point. With evasive action. But today, I pray, is the day. Because there is no greater privilege than putting your faith and trust in a God who loves you and there is no greater gift available. You can search the heights, the depths and you will not find love like this. God is love. And you this morning, if you do not know Christ as Savior, you this morning have that opportunity to accept Him and to ask Him into your life. And by his goodness, the Bible says that if I believe, if I proclaim, then he will come into my heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we've seen the majesty this morning of all that you've done for us, we just pray, Lord God, that you might open up hearts and minds and that lives might be changed. Father, that your spirit might move. Lord, we don't want to just come along to church just for the sake of it. We want to come along to church because we are bursting with the good news about Jesus Christ, that we want to sing your praise, that we want to lift your name high. And Father, I pray for those that don't yet know you as Lord and Savior, that Lord God, that you would speak this morning, and that Lord, that they might make that decision, that they would choose life. And they might put their faith and their trust in you. Father, I pray that those that don't know you would not leave this place this morning without they have understood. And without they have made that choice. Lord, we know that you are the God of the impossible. We too know that you are love. And this is how we know what love is, that Christ died for us. He took our place. He took our sin. He took our shame and there he dealt with it. And Father, this morning we rejoice that the grave couldn't hold him and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and that one day we will see our Savior face to face as we put our faith and trust in you. Father, bless us, we pray, as we go into a new week. Just have your hand upon us. Help us to start at the very foot of the cross and to bring praise and worship to you, Lord, we ask. All of these things in and through our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.